0: Hello and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. We are currently studying in the book of Jonah. and This is our third uh, lesson in this book and we're still in chapter one. There's so much information here for such a small book and I am not able to bring out all the things, but I'm hopeful that the things that we are able to see together are impactful and meaningful to to you in your life where you are today and I I trust God the Holy Spirit to make that to be the truth. So without further ado let's get into this study. It's been very exciting for me. I mean I love this book. It's just amazing how much is here and um, what the Lord is doing with this man Jonah. So we return to the study of Jonah. Last time we saw that Jonah was experiencing some very directed instruction from the Lord, we looked at uh, chapter one, verses four through seven, and we saw how the Lord was creating the circumstances and the situations to um, give a message to Jonah and also those who were around him. And that's what he does, that's how he uses us, right? That's the way he uses us today. He will minister to us. He causes us to grow in grace. And the people around us, around us are affected by that. And they're either benefited, they benefit from our growth and our um, maturity, or they're hurt by the fact that we're not on the path of growth and maturity. But God uses all those things to accomplish His purpose. It's just amazing. And we're seeing a, a little micro picture of that in the life of Jonah in this particular situation that is the account that he's given of uh, a particular interaction with him and God. So God gave Jonah uh, instruction in the very, in a traditional way in the very beginning. He came to him, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it. That was a traditional instruction. Uh, So now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, that's the traditional direct route. God speaks to Jonah, says, Jonah, just do what I told you to do. Jonah decided, however, that for whatever reason, you know, we speculated as to some of the reasons that might have went into his decision last time, but for whatever reason, he decided to do just the opposite of what God said. Can you see some parallels in your life, maybe? I can definitely see them in my life, where God is given explicit instruction and we go do just the opposite. Well, that's the same thing was true with Jonah. He had the same problems that we have, and that problem being sin and the effect of sin in our lives. So so that's where we pick up with Jonah. He has decided to do just the opposite of what God has told him. He's jumped on this uh, boat, this ship, heading towards Tarshish, which is far away from where God told him to go as possible, in an attempt to get away from the presence of the Lord. That was his objective, which is kind of crazy, but that's what sin does. It makes us to have very poor judgment. So he's doing just the opposite of what God has instructed him to do. And it's resulted in him being on this ship that's about to be torn to pieces by a very sudden and intense storm or tempest that was handmade by the Lord Jesus just for Jonah. And God is able to do that. He knows exactly what to bring into our lives to shake us and to wake us up from the um, effects of sin that can take us away from um, walking by faith. So that's exactly what God has done. So we left off in verse seven. The mariners of the ship that was carrying Jonah are basically at their wits end and they're in a extreme state of panic, right? The mariners have emptied the ship Of all its cargo to lighten the ship, to give it every chance of surviving the storm. They've called out to each man to, hey, call on your deity of choice in an effort to possibly survive the evil that's taken them collectively. Uh, Please notice that God has designed all this. And notice the irony that we see even starting in verse 6. As Jonah was again awoken from sleep, but this time he was told to arise not by God, but by a Gentile dog in the form of the shipmaster. Now, originally in verse 1 and 2, we see where God came to Jonah and he said, Arise and go to Nineveh and minister to these people. And Jonah said, No, I'm not going to do that. And he decided to go the opposite direction. Well, notice the irony of how the God has orchestrated this circumstance to minister particularly to Jonah, and that now he's being awakened again in verse six, but this time it's by one of those Gentiles that he didn't want to go minister to, and they're saying and that Gentile says, "Arise and call out to your God, that maybe we might be saved." Notice the the, the irony of that. You know, it's interesting in Israel. God said, Arise and go to Nineveh and witness to that great city. And I I did allude to the fact last time of all the contrasts that are in here. And God is able to use these kind of things to really send home the message. And in Israel, God said to arise and go to Nineveh and to witness to that great city. Now, in the recesses of this ship, while going as far away from Nineveh as he could, Jonah is again told to arise. Call upon your God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. So again, he's called to wake up, O sleeper, and to minister, to call out to God and to minister on behalf of these Gentiles that are on the ship. So the point, I think, is that you can't get away from God's purpose. There's nothing you can do to escape. God's purpose and plan for your life. So you might as well embrace it instead of trying to run from it because in running from it, you're still gonna accomplish God's purpose. It's just gonna be in a way that is a lot harder than that traditional way from when God originally gave him the message. I mean, you gotta notice the way God has orchestrated these events. Um, And it caused you to kinda chuckle a little bit because it's like, wow, you know? I can't help but see, you know, God's um, plan and purpose here, and you know, God has a sense of humor, clearly, clearly. Um, so the calling of the Lord is irrevocable, and the word of the Lord is salvation. That's that. Those are the two messages that I see uh, being kind of reinforced in this account, uh, Jonah couldn't. We can't um, in no way escape this truth that salvation is of the Lord. Uh, God's purposes and plans will be accomplished. We can do it the easy way or we can do it the hard way. That's what God is telling us through Jonah. Uh, But his purposes will be accomplished. So we're going to pick up this really thrilling account in chapter one uh, verse eight after the lot had fallen on Jonah. So the lot fell on Jonah. They were trying to figure out, well, why is this happening? So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah and Jonah was faced all of a sudden with all of these circumstances, all of a sudden, and he could hear the voice of God in the situation. He could see God in this situation where these men could not. Um, uh, And we pick up at verse eight. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. Uh, What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country and of what people art thou? So the lot falls on Jonah and these men are like, hey, we don't understand what's going on. Can you tell us what's going on? Because the lot clearly fell on you. So you're clearly the cause for all of this that's going on with us. And we want an explanation. And they start asking questions. (laughs) And it's so interesting to me that everything that Jonah wanted to keep to himself, all the things that he was trying to avoid, the very calling that he was running from God creates the circumstances and situations to where he has to confess these things to these Gentiles the very thing that he didn't want to do I mean you have to see the irony in that so we see that Jonah sought to run away from his calling his calling to witness to these Gentiles Nineveh he was intent on getting as far away from the Lord Jesus as the ship could carry Jonah was unwilling to witness to the Gentiles and he didn't want to share the grace of God right but in spite of that we see this is what he ends up doing with the mariners on on the ship you know Originally, he's like, no, I don't want to witness to these, to the Gentiles, those Ninevites. But God creates a situation where he ends up doing that on the ship. Because they ask him these pointed questions. You know, what's your occupation? (laughs) Well, I'm a prophet (laughs) of God. From whence did you come? The nation Israel. (laughs) And what's, you know, what's that country? And uh, what people are that? Well, I'm a Hebrew you know, from the nation of Israel. <laughs> so he's, he's going to witness. We're going to witness. We're going to have a testimony in spite of whether or not we embrace it or not. It's important for us to embrace it because in doing so, it's a much um, softer landing. Uh, when we're in the will of God, when we're looking to him for direction, and we're obedient to him, it's a, it's a better situation for us when we just obey God. That's, that's, that's the message here. Just obey God because he will accomplish his will. It's it's unavoidable. His grace is irrevocable. His calling is irrevocable. So you must um, yield to, to his will and his purpose. So if God asks you to do something, if he says to go do it, just do it. That's the message here just do it. Um, Don't let anything get in the way of you doing it. The best thing to do is to ask him for grace to accomplish his will. In verse nine, after they asked him these questions, we see the response of Jonah to these questions. Verse nine, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. I think it's really important uh, what he said now these people would have been aware of the Hebrews the Hebrews were famous at this point because um, the Lord had delivered them from Egypt Egypt at the time was the most powerful nation in the world and they were humbled by these Hebrew slaves uh, and their God who brought these plagues and uh, delivered them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the story of that went across the world. People were in unbelief that this was happening. And so people knew of the Hebrews and they heard of the different accounts. So these men would know because of their proximity to the nation Israel, they would have had a witness of who they were and who the Hebrews were and the God that they served. And so these were very impactful words that were chosen Uh, by uh, this man to minister to them. Um, And we can see that in the response that they had to these words. But um, he says, I am a Hebrew. So that was very impactful. And I fear the Lord. Now, when when he says, I fear the Lord, the word fear means a reverential respect. And we have to think about the fact that Jonah was in a state of rebellion. He was in a place of rebellion. He was on a path away from God. But here he had to give a testimony of his relationship to God. And that must have ministered to Jonah deeply to say, to have to pronounce to these men that I fear or reverence the Lord, but yet I'm in a place of disobedience and God is able to create those kinds of scenarios to really send home the sinfulness of sin because that's how we're able to see it that that we're able and I mentioned this I think in the when we first started this study that it's amazing that we can disobey a God that's so loving and has done nothing but good for us and that's what Jonah had to face in giving this testimony when he said, I reverence the Lord, the God of heaven. Um, I'd venture to guess that these mariners had heard of the Hebrew people and the God that they served. The witness and testimony of the Lord had reached the entire known civilized world, but especially in that region. People heard of how a group of slaves in Egypt Uh, And the God that they served humbled the greatest nation known at that time, which was Egypt. And they were known as Hebrews. Uh, These men probably knew something of the way the Hebrews came in possession of their land and the power of Jehovah, the one that Jonah says that he reverenced. And also notice in his testimony that he says that he, that He reverenced the Lord, the God of heaven, right? That's showing God in his exalted state, uh, his holiness, separate from man, separate from uh, anything associated with the world, the God of heaven, which has made, right, created, this is his power, the sea. Well, why is that important? Because the sea is what was about to kill them. The sea is what was about to destroy their ship he says, I serve the God of the sea. And that would have been very impactful to these mariners who were associated with a seafaring lifestyle. But the real strength of this testimony is at the very end, what he says, who hath made the sea and the dry land. And I think that's important because these men probably had sea-based gods. Their gods were sea-based. And they only worried about praying to these guys when they were at sea. When they're on dry land, they're like, hey, I do whatever I want to do. I don't need you. I only need you when I'm out there on sea and I get into trouble. And so Jonah says that the God I serve is the God of the universe. That his presence is with me on the sea and on the dry land. That I have a constant ministry from him, a constant connection and presence of my God, the God that's in heaven. And that must have been very impactful to these men. And, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that God has created this circumstance and Jonah now is fulfilling the purpose of a prophet. Even in his rebellion, God has created a situation where Jonah's going to minister to these men. In verse 10, um, it says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? <laughs> yep. Why hast thou done this? They were perplexed. Again, first they were perplexed at the fact that he could sleep during all of this. And now they're perplexed after knowing the God that he serves, the God that he reverenced, the God who is of heaven And it's all powerful, the creator of the universe, right? Uh, The men, it says then in verse 10, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, you know, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So Jonah told them the whole story. Jonah didn't keep anything from them. He was like, this is why this is happening I fled from the God that I'm telling you about. He told me to go minister and I decided to go another direction. Right. I decided to do something else. So Jonah gave a strong and powerful witness to these men. These mariners who were faced with the uselessness of their gods. If they called upon Jonah introduced them to the one true God, Jehovah, Uh, They were introduced to him by this, you know, you you could call him a reluctant prophet. You know, that wasn't his intent on getting on the ship was to minister to people, especially not Gentiles. But that's what God had him to do. Jonah didn't need to really share anything other than what the Lord was doing in his life at that time. And that was enough. That was enough to uh, make an impact on these men. And these men were understandably perplexed as to why Jonah would disobey this God. Like, look how powerful he is. Look how amazing this God you serve is. Why would you do this? Why would you disobey him? Uh, By Jonah's own testimony, uh, the God that he served was to be reverenced. Uh, He's the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Uh, it's very important to see the perplexity of the situation, and that these men who didn't know God were able to see how just astonishing it was that uh, Jonah would do this and to place them all into such peril because of it. You know, I think we need to take note of how incredible it is uh, to anyone right, to the foolishness of disobedience, to disobey God, how when presented properly, any logical person will come to the same conclusion, like, why would anyone disobey this God? God has made that point, I think, more, you know, resident to Jonah in this situation by giving him this opportunity to speak out loud and to share his own folly to these Gentiles. And you got to think about it. He's talking to the people who he thought he was above that he perceived himself to be greater than because of his access to the true and living God. And now they are basically, uh, calling him out, (laughs) And saying, you know, why would you do something like that? You know, it's better to be corrected by the word of God than to be corrected in front of the whole world. And that's basically what's happened. He's being corrected by those whom he should be correcting. And it had to be very humbling for Jonah to be in this situation. Very humbling. Correction is grievous. Unto him that forsaketh the way. That's Proverbs 1510. And that's where we see Jonah at this point. He is now being corrected by these godless Gentiles. He they stand perplexed. They were afraid exceedingly and they wanted answers why would anyone do this why have you done this in the first place Um, it makes no sense to them and that's what happens when we take our eyes off the lord and we fall into sin we look ridiculous to the world the ones that are supposed to represent god and his grace his power We say we reverence him, but our actions say just the opposite. And it's important to see that the world takes note of that. And it hurts the cause of Christ. Um, It's important for us to learn from the failing of Jonah. It's better for us to be corrected by the word than to fall into this situation ourselves and have to experience it it hurts enough just hearing about it through Jonah, through his experience. Uh, I pray that we would not have to learn by experience, but we would learn from revelation. That's really important. Now Jonah will move into the tempest of this correction. This, this is just the beginning. It seems pretty harsh. It seems like a very difficult situation for any child of God to be in, but remember this all started because Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So when we start off on that route, it could lead us in some very, very, very dark places. And it's interesting that that's exactly what's happening with Jonah. And you would think that this was bad. Right. You're having to be corrected by the Gentiles who you thought you were better than. And the boat is about to be destroyed. All these men's lives are at risk because of your disobedience, because of what you've done. You think that would be the worst it can get. But like I said, we're going to move deeper into this um, situation this tempest of correction I called it. And it's gonna be like the proverb said, it's gonna be grievous because all those whom the Lord receives as his children, he corrects and he will go to great lengths to correct us. And he knows how to design the chastening to minister and speak to us in a way like nothing or no one else can. And it's because of his love that he does this. Um, it's, it's out of love. And because he wants us to be perfected in Christ. And this is a part of the process. Um, we have a sin nature. And he gives us everything we need to overcome that. And it's, we have a responsibility to be obedient and to walk by faith. That's the only answer. I mean, I feel like I say that over and over, particularly when we, I've been studying uh, Hebrews and we've been going through Hebrews and it keeps coming back to that same answer. And it seems pretty simplistic, but we still have this problem just like Jonah. So let's take note of the fact that the sin of the prophet has consequences and these consequences have engulfed those around him, even these mariners. God will be glorified in obedience or in discipline, but either way, he will get his message across and he will be glorified. So it's important for us to kind of take note of that. And understand what it is that the Lord has for for Jonah um, Jonah ended up witnessing to these Gentiles you know he did that was that was what the Lord intended for him to do in the first place and we see him doing that in verse 11 Um, it says, then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us for the sea wrought and was tempestuous. So these godless men have been, I'd like to say, properly exercised by the witness of the prophet." they have responded positively to the witness of Jonah. Uh, They're no longer looking to themselves or to their gods, right? Uh, They're now looking to the man of God to lead them through this storm. You have to notice the shift that has happened, the work that God has done in these men's lives. Uh, The Lord has used Jonah to witness his truth to these men. And they've responded with, you know, what shall we do? They're like, okay, clear. We believe everything that you've said. We believe your account. We believe that you serve the true and living God of heaven, of the sea and of dry land. What do we do about the situation that, that we're in now? This is the point in where, in which the, person who's witnessing can now present more of the truth if you don't get to this point when you're ministering to someone if they don't get to the point where they say well what what is what shall i do then they're not receiving your witness these men have received the witness and they say you know what shall we do this is the evidence of god doing this work in them um We can see the same thing in the apostle Paul when he was converted, who also was a missionary to Gentiles. Um, he asked the Lord Jesus the same question says in trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? This is the response of faith. This is a response of a person who has met the Lord Jesus Christ and that's the only proper response and that's in acts uh, chapter 9 verse 6 you know what shall we do unto thee is what they ask uh, in verse 11 that the sea may calm unto us for the sea is wrought and temptuous meaning it's about to kill us it's about to destroy our ship we're at our wit's end now they're looking to the man of god for instruction That's a huge shift here. Verse 12. And he said unto them, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. So now Jonah gives them the answer because God told him, God told him, this is what you to tell him. And now Jonah's in a place where he's, Wanting to be obedient, <laughs> God has created the scenario so that he is obedient to God and he shares the message that God has given them, given to him to give to these people. So now we see the answer, you know, it must have been from the, these men's perspective, incredulous. Everything that they had done was to avoid anybody losing their life. They readily cast over all a cargo but not any man, right? Because they wanted people to live. Uh, This this solution that Jonah had given them went against everything they considered to be rational. But it was the only way because that's what God said. The prophet knew that this was the way. And in faith, he told these men the will of God. You got to see that. Uh, You have to see that when God told Jonah this, that that was not something that Jonah received pleasantly to think that he'd need to be thrown overboard. And rather than be disobedient again, Jonah's learning the lesson to obey God and to walk by faith. And his faith was to trust that the Lord, his will was perfect and it was good. And so he told these men what it was they were to do. But this went against everything that these men were trying to accomplish. To think that they would have to toss him overboard. But Jonah shared the truth. Regardless of how what it sounded like to the people. He shared the truth in faith. right? Jonah was not responsible for how they received it. He was only responsible for sharing it. And that's what he did. So we see this turn that's happening in this prophet in verse 13 nevertheless the men rowed hard to bring it to land meaning the boat so they they got the rows out and they kept trying to row very hard against the wind against the tempest to to try to to get to land it says nevertheless the men rowed hard to bring it to land but they could not for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them so the men They they didn't accept his words right away. They're like, come on now. There's got to be another way. And they leaned hard upon their own understanding. Uh, God patiently allowed them time to come to the realization that they were no match for his will and power. So God had another lesson for these men. God told them what to do. And then they entered into the place of Jonah, right? His original place. No, there's got to be another way. And that's the temptation that comes to us is that when God gives us direction, if we don't like the way it looks or what he's telling us to do, it may not look good, feel good or smell good, but we need to do it because God says to do it. And that's what's good. It's not what we have to do. It's doing it. That is the act of faith. So it doesn't matter what it is. And I know that's difficult. That's hard for me to receive. And it was hard for these men. And so let's notice how the grace of God is extended to them to allow them time to come to his His way. Just like he's extended the same grace to Jonah in creating this scenario that will get Jonah to come to his way. And, you know, it's so easy for us to rush through these accounts and not see the mercy and the grace of God extended to man and here we see that in verse 13 that he allowed them to continue to try to use their strength and their efforts but it was for nothing it was for naught and during that time he would minister to them and say you know what you're doing you're wasting time it's not going to work but he still allows man he allows us to to He gently leads and guides us in his truth. Verse 14. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Um, Let's take note of the change in these men. Before we saw in verse five that the Mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, right? All the different gods that they had, they all called on to their different gods to no avail. But now after the ministry of Jonah, after the truths that have been presented to them, they now are calling on the God of heaven, the God of the sea and the dry land. It's amazing if we just really think about it, we're actually seeing the salvation of these men played out in this account. It's quite a blessing to think about. Um, now they're calling out to the God of heaven. We can see the ministry and the calling of the Lord Jesus in these people and how that He's affected their lives. And their direction, the direction of their lives have changed rather suddenly. And that's the same experience I'm sure all of us have had in our salvation. And we should want that for others. Uh, God ultimately chooses who he wants to save. Uh, He's not giving it to us to decide who gets saved and who doesn't. That's another underlying message here that God saves who he wants to save. And we don't know who that is. All we're to do is to be obedient and to proclaim his word, to share the gospel. When he gives us opportunity, when the lot falls upon us, we're to minister. And great things will happen from that. All we have to do is share what God has done for us. It's that simple. It's really that simple. And that's what Jonah is is doing. Um How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Clearly, these men believe on the Lord. They're calling on Him, they're praying to him now, right? They're crying out to him. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Well, that we know they've heard of him because Jonah ministered to him and told him all about the true and living God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10, 14. So here we see um, the ultimate purpose of God saving believers and having them to stay upon this earth so that we can continue to minister and witness on his behalf. And that's what is happening here. And We're seeing the blessing of that. Now, these men have come to a collective knowledge of the Lord, this, this entire ship, and they're now acting in faith they passionately cry out to the Lord, right? They appeal to the Lord now um, as they, you know, have been introduced to the one that has saved them. And they don't want to throw the one that has introduced them to the God of heaven, of the sea and the dry land, they don't want to throw him overboard. Their first act of faith after being saved is to throw the person that ministered to them overboard. You talk about a challenge of faith. That's a challenge of faith, but that's what they're called to do. That's what they're called to do. And so they, they, they cry out to the Lord for direction and for understanding and for his grace. You know, this was what I call a real challenge of faith. And these Gentiles shine in their obedience and again i talked about the contrast of this a book and let's contrast them to jonah who didn't want to minister to these gentiles who thought they didn't deserve the grace of god and look how they're responding look at the obedience and the faith that they're displaying the kindness that they don't want to throw um, jonah overboard that they try any and everything else to keep from having to do that. Whereas Jonah didn't even want to go minister to the Gentiles. What a contrast. You know, Jonah thought that the Gentiles were unworthy of the grace of God. And now he sees the grace of God working in these Gentile men right before him. Verse 15. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Uh, Immediately, upon throwing Jonah into the sea, the tempest stopped. You know, verse 16. Then the men reverenced the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So we see the immediate effects of Jonah being tossed overboard. And we also see how the ministry of Jonah was effectual in the lives of these men. These weren't foxhole prayers that they were giving. They really had a true conversion. Clearly, Jonah had done the work of a teacher and an evangelist. Um, these men were taught the principle of sacrifice. That's a key component of any true worship of the true and living God is There's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. It goes back to the garden. You know, those animal skins that were on Adam and Eve that was used to cover them to effectively cover their sin. Well, you can't get animal skins without the shedding of blood. And then that principle is seen in Abel, uh, in his dealings, in his ministry to his brother Cain. And throughout scripture, we see that principle, that Sin must be dealt with. There must be a judgment to deal with sin. And it involves death and the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And in his witness and testimony, Jonah was able to share this with these men. And it was effectual in their um, salvation. And we see the evidence, the works of faith in these men. These men are working their belief outwardly. We see the evidence that they were truly saved in their actions. They couldn't do any work to be saved, but any salvation is going to have works. You're going to see the evidence of salvation in the life of the person who was saved. Uh, That's true of us. That's true of anybody. It was true then and it's true now. It's true in the future. That and we see that with these people, these men, in that they, uh, in um, once uh, they, uh, in verse sixteen, once they reach dry land, they reverence the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice. Um, the principle of sacrifice is very important in Scripture. Jesus calls himself the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the people. Uh, sacrifice is so important because it points to the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the key to anyone being able to have a relationship with God. It's through that great, monumentous event that happened. Everything in the Old Testament points towards the coming of the Messiah, in the sacrifice and everything beyond that looks back to that sacrifice. It is the uh, event, the one event that binds all time and eternity together. And it's uh, exalts Christ above all things. And that principle was shared with these men and we see them offering the sacrifice. Uh, These men, uh, exemplify the proper reaction to being introduced to the Lord Jesus by one of his prophets. Uh, Now they're offering sacrifice to the God of the sea and of the dry land. And, you know, we know that to be the Lord Jesus. There's a reverence now in their lives and they'll go forth and witness and testify to these things uh, that happened. And that's the way it works. That's the proper response. God used Jonah in the salvation of these Gentiles. The very thing Jonah supposed that he could escape from doing. God created this situation where he ended up doing it anyway. Now we see that Jonah ended up doing exactly what God told him. But the route that he took has him in a place that he doesn't want to be. And that's what happens when we rebel against God. God's will is going to be done. You can either do it the easy way or the hard way. Uh, This is the only conclusion available when we disobey the word of God and his instruction. Um, We're going to end up in a place that we don't want to be, but we're still going to end up accomplishing the will of God. This is called the hard way. Uh, Jesus put it this way to Paul. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the rocks. And that's the situation we see here that Jonah is in. He's still accomplishing the will of God. But it's in a way that is very challenging and places him in a very difficult place. Next time... Uh, We're going to stop here, and uh, next time, hopefully, we're going to see more about how the Lord has orchestrated a particular situation and scenario to minister to this prophet Jonah. We've seen how that in ministering to Jonah is resulted in the salvation of these Gentile men, these mariners, and God has more work for Jonah to do. Um, He has work for him to do, and he has work for us to do. It's important for us to understand and to look to him to see what that work is. And when we do it and we're obedient and we yield ourselves to the will of God and we walk in faith, so much blessing comes to our lives. So much blessing. Um, So it's important for us to to, uh, see that here. And I hope that's a takeaway from this experience that, Jonah was a blessing to these men in ministering, in his faithful ministry to them, and simply giving his personal testimony. How how effective can we be if we were to yield ourselves, our abilities, our experiences with the Lord Jesus and share there with others? I think that's important. And I wanna make sure that I um at least introduce that to you to meditate upon. Let's close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jonah. Thank you for having Jonah to share this experience. And thank you for creating the situation that brought this about. And we pray, Father, you continue to help us to see the significance of your interaction with just one of your people. And that we would understand that we have a great and important role that you may be desires to use one of us the way you've used Jonah. Uh, and we're not even aware of that. The important thing is that you know what you're doing and that we yield ourselves to you. By your grace, Father, we pray this would be true. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.